0: Welcome to the truth in It's art. I am your host Rob Lee, and today I have the privilege of speaking with managing partner of SAA EVI development Ernst Valerie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. how are you? I am living the dream. I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm good. It's good to hear. um so, you know, press releases, news, all of these different things have been coming out recently. And I want to to hear it directly. I want to hear the truth directly from the person. Give us the vital stats and, and describe your mission and the work that you're doing right now. You know, um, so the day job is real estate development. But uh, the
1: mission and the vision is, um, you know, healthy communities and also recognizing that, um, and I I heard this uh, in California once uh, from um, Mitch and Frida K. Poor They were talking about how genius exists in every zip code. And, you know, that's something that really resonates with me. And it resonates not only as a person of color, like as a black man, but it also, you know, someone that, you know, came to this country as an immigrant and being able to have opportunity and like believing in, this notion of the American dream that we can all make it. Um, But unfortunately, the reality is, uh, especially in these cities, we haven't been making it. you know, uh, everything has seemed to be aligned, right? Like we've gotten, most of these major cities have been democratically led, uh, a lot of these major cities. So like those are the people that are supposed to care for us the most. Right. Uh, And when you really look at the stats and, you know, I, I love the people that call for science and numbers, but in reality, they don't give too much um, thought to science and numbers. Because when you really look at the numbers, the last 50 plus years that these major American cities like Baltimore have been led by Democrats, um, you know, the black family has actually done worse. We went from the beginning of that period where we were about half of the wealth of our white counterparts, um, white families to not having families at all. And remember when it was a conspiracy that drugs were uh, being placed in the uh, black community, Uh, then it wasn't a conspiracy. Uh, But we went from about $40,000 of net worth Compared to 80000 for the average white family mm-hmm. to now where the average black family has negative $8,000 of net worth to two eighty dollars plus wow. of the average white family. And so I, I wonder how that's possible. And I, I really look at real estate as um, a medium to be able to close those gaps and and what we call leveling the playing field. Uh, so I, I look at what I do is uh, innovative or innovation. Uh, so we're trying to do a lot of placemaking. We're trying to go into the neighborhoods and the communities that you know zero investment and uh, the neighborhoods that were you know we went from redlining to. Uh, appraisers not you know giving much thought to the communities that we live just because we live there right right? and we used to think that was crazy right and then it's been proven that if you have white photos in your home (laughs) your appraiser will actually appraise (laughs) your property more. And so where have we gotten with racism? And the other part is sexism, right? I mean, like, uh, those are the two things that I think hold our society back. And, you know, we've got millions and millions of geniuses that come uh, in black skin and, um, and also in female bodies um, that we ignore. And we will continue to ignore them until uh, we start to innovate uh, to actually give them a voice, yeah. and that's that's sort of what I, that's sort of, but that's what I do, right? And so I'm looking at tools to be able to empower and to truly invest in that community. One of the tools that you know I think is the best tool is to provide equity to folks uh, of color, especially Black people, and to provide equity to women. Yeah, the major banks. The powers that be in all the cities that I work, they haven't figured that out. And like when we came out with the Equal Fund in 2021 last year, it was the only one that I could find that actually gave equity. Everyone else gives debt. And I mean, like there's something biblical about debt that's like unhealthy. Right. Uh, um, And and the debt that we get, and I've gotten debt. You know, I, my debt is always two times, three times more than someone that has lighter skin than I do <laughs> or who's white. And right. so that's the reality of it. Whether that debt comes from a private institution um, or it comes from a bank right? Uh, or well, a bank like the state of Maryland or the state of New York, uh, mm-hmm. they, they find ways to underwrite us. The same way, and so whoever it is, the second they say they're underwriting you, just like a private bank, like Wells Fargo, um, <laughs> you're not going to have a good time because those institutions they don't know, and they told us. I mean, like you know, my, I guess it was my angel who that said when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Right. You know, and so when the CEO of such bank tells you that. They they can't find black talent. It's because they don't look for black talent. It's because they don't really mess with black people. And so let's believe them instead of um, allowing them to create these corporate uh, images. Right. So like if I came down from space today, you would think the NFL owners Invented Black Lives Matters and like yep. they are the biggest champions of equality and black people, but they're the ones that created the issue and then they co-opted yes, and then they it turn is. it into their own. And you know, like Colin Kaepernick says, the NFL. I mean, like you know, people are being sold and traded every day. It's yeah. like the slave trade.
0: Yeah. And so and- I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, and I and I think like. And, and, and I have a, a thing I want to pin back on that you, you mentioned, but I'll, I'll come back to it after this, Um, I guess, rumination, I suppose, where you you have, like the NFL uses as an example, you know, it's these kind of corporate sponsorships or like philanthropy and, and ultimately this is a socially responsible thing to do. Hey, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you know, that's good to have awareness around it and, you know, funding and all of that. But if the player is not wearing those proper colors, you're getting fined. It's like a really weird thing, and the majority of the league is black, and it's a really weird, punitive, don't get out of line now kind of thing, And but ultimately, it's supposed to be for for, for good, for good of a certain class of people, and uh, people that kind of encounter certain issues will have you, but really, it's a punitive component to it, too, which is super odd to me, and when you mention like, Black Lives Matter, I was like, are you going to do a month for that, guys, where you have to wear black and white, and if you're not wearing it, you can penalize like, a black person? It's like, all right, cool. It's really weird. Well, the whole thing when we, we when
1: we get a month here, a week there, a day here, <laughs> Juneteenth here. It's really kind of it's control, right? It's like uh, let's encapsulate it and let's, you know. Let's put it over here on the side there. Look, at the end of the day, someone said this to me, and I truly believe it. The effects of Jim Crow (laughs) in this country. I mean, like, it's got to be the most brilliant thing uh, that was done to control and to uh, subjugate a people um, ever, ever. The British Empire, all, all of it. You know the, the, the Alexander the Great. They they have nothing <laughs> on Jim Crow.
0: So you mentioned Wells Fargo. So I want to I want to move this question up because you already got the question, so you know where we're at. But. Um Recently, there was that news about Wells Fargo showed more than half of the black applicants were uh, weren't approved um, by by that mortgage lender, or what have you, and it's kind of poking that 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 notion of hmm, there's not an equal share, that's not an equal shake, that's not an equal opportunity. What are your thoughts around like that kind of news and news similar to that in terms of lending, home ownership, things of that nature when it comes to black folk?
1: So. You know, I, black people should not expect to borrow money from these major institutions at an equal or fair basis. I mean, like they, they create these systems like the credit score and everything. It's all based on being like a middle class white male. Right. Yeah. And so they, they back into it. And I mean, so at the end of the day, I tried to deposit my money at Wells Fargo and I was rejected. So why would they give you a loan? Uh, And and at the end of the day, uh, what we're fighting for with our lawsuit, because we sued them, because it made no sense why I couldn't deposit something that I gave them forewarning. I had 33 accounts at this one bank and 30 year history at this one bank, not three years. Yeah. I didn't just open the account, 30 years of history, and to go through that type of humiliation. And, you know, at the end, it really showed me something about like the news media and, and the, you know, cause they could care less about what happened to me because I'm nothing. Yeah. Most of us, we are nothing. Right, And and even when they try to act like we're something when we're an athlete or when we're an entertainer, they're just waiting to tear us down. Mm -hmm. Think of any entertainer that's actually tried to move the needle and level the playing field and make the lives of people of color better that hasn't been torn down by this system. That hasn't been, whether it's like physically, right? Think of Muhammad Ali, like what he went through and physically... You know, everyone's like, oh, well, he got this disease. You know, and I'm like, you know, what's what had to wear on a person mm-hmm. to physically, you yeah. know, break down? It- um, so at the end of the day, I, you know, these institutions, they control our courts.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They control our mm-hmm. politicians. Our politicians just placate to us. But they the big money is from them. Mm -hmm. Right. So our politicians are doing their bidding. And then the Supreme Court allowed it by saying, you know, LLCs could like invest, you know, endless amount of money in political campaigns. Hmm. Right. So at the end of the day, what do we control? And and even if you go and this is what we did, you know, uh, we went to Wells Fargo and we said, you know, um, let's make this. World better, right? Let's let's level the playing field with your capital. Yeah. You know, you have a major problem. They, they didn't want to hear that. At the end of the day, you know, we're we're in a court battle that um, is is. I don't see how the people win, um, when you know, the courts are are stacked against us. The politicians are stacked against us. And more importantly, the media could care less. Like they should be telling us, you know, more of these things and what's being done about it. And they will do it for five minutes. It's like you know, not even fifteen minutes. It's yeah. five minutes. Um, they, they won't report it uh, fairly, uh, and then they move on to the next thing. Um, you know, it's 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 sad, and it it it, it makes me. Um, Want to fight
0: more, yeah. right? Yeah, and and I, and I hit that, and and it's one of those things where one of, one of the things you mentioned in there was that you know ultimately the people that should care or that that should care don't care, and I go back to a interview I did with um, Jamie Wooten from Collectively, and he was talking about this huge like um, uh, donation from uh, Calais Campbell from the Ravens and no one talked about it. It was like the biggest one to a black-led like like, like kind of charity or what have you ever. And so that's a sports story, that's a Baltimore story, that's an entrepreneur, no one was talking about it. Right, where's the
1: Baltimore Sun? Where's the Baltimore Business Journal? Where's the New York Times? And and the reason they don't talk about it is because um, like, only white people can save black people. <laughs> You know, just to put it bluntly, right? And so when when you start to show uh, the ability to uh, save yourself and do for your own community, uh, the system does not like that. The system wants ABLE Foundation to save you, yeah. right? And then when you walk into the ABLE Foundation, you know, it, you know, there's pictures of black kids and, you know, the leader there is like, my black boys, yeah. you, know, you know? To me, it sounds like my little Negroes. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what he means. And mm-hmm. the system, they know it, yeah. but no one has the courage to be like, why do we allow this to happen? right? Yeah. And so now, here's a person of color that's doing the right thing, but you know, you know, let there be one allegation against them, and that's the news for the next, you know.
0: Twenty-five cycles. Like. I I left I left a place, a fundraising place, a rather large one here in in Baltimore, um, because I made the point in a meeting about diversity, and I told the new diversity person that comes in the, that yeah, it's kind of odd that you know we have these people here and we can leave in broad daylight, but. You were in the middle of Baltimore and people were just taking Ubers like they're they're so afraid of just being outside. I was like, you're working, you're saving this community, aren't you? You're you're getting this fair trade coffee from these brown countries and these black countries and you're doing the right thing. But when it comes to being around black people, you you're are afraid shook. Of black yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: They are afraid of black people um, and all those things. You know, I, I love it. I was on the side of the highway and I saw this lady and her, um, you know, Station wagon handing out bags of foods to the countless homeless people on the, the bridge. And I think, wow, like that's not about the homeless people under the bridge because the homeless people under the bridge have plenty of places they can go and get food. Yeah. That's about that person feeling good about themselves. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, I'll, I'll bring it into a different realm. Right. Um, they, don't think giving black people money is the path forward. It's giving you a handout mm-hmm. that they want to do, right? And then flip it to what's happening in Ukraine now, where white people are sending cash directly. To people their uber accounts or whatever accounts they have over there they are sending money directly to them because they're white it's like oh of course they deserve money because they are human Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when it's us it's like you know even when we started this equal fund everyone wants to tell me what kind of program is it the second i say black and women and immigrant it's like what kind of program is it what kind of handout and they're excited about the it being a program and the second i say oh no no no, it's i'm providing equity to intelligent people of color who have skills and to women of color and to all women who have skills i'm providing equity to them then it's suddenly not attractive anymore because it's like well how can we control that like that's not about us the, mm-hmm. You know, that's about those people doing well and being able to empower themselves. We want no part
0: of this. Right? They won't need us. <laughs> um, so I want to I move into this one because I, I read something and uh, I think it was a it was a cool like um, observation. So it's my understanding that your mom um, your mom's entrepreneurial background was very impactful to you growing up, and even now, could you share maybe a couple of lessons that you learned from her that you apply to business today?
1: You know, she 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 died in 2019, and uh, it's like part of me died in 2019. And then I was thankful that she never had to go through COVID uh, and to, to kind of see everything deteriorate, right? Like, COVID showed us how vulnerable we were as Black people. Uh, we lacked all sorts of things in our community. Um, and you know, fast forward to now where we may be coming out of it, none of those things were addressed.
0: (laughs) Right. Just like we had this reset, nothing was touched.
1: (laughs) Nothing was touched. You know, Fauci wants us to wear masks, uh, you know, but uh, you know, the the lack of medical resources in our community, none of it, none of it was touched. Um, And so, you know going back to my mom uh she never she never finished high school because in Haiti um once you learned how to read if if you were lucky you learned how to read as a woman uh you went into a trade and she went into a trade um that was her high school she learned how to sew um but I would take my mom's advice over any expert at Harvard Business School or you know um, Wharton Business School any day because. She she gave me the courage and she gave me all I needed. And she was the first person to invest equity in me. She found twenty-five thousand dollars in her mattress, you know, and, and Haitian American women, they, they <laughs> save their money in the Bank of Sealy Certa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh she didn't trust the banks and like I don't blame her, right? Um and so, you know, one of the lessons to this day is just um you know, being able to deal with adversity uh, and then, you know, being able to show up in very difficult moments. Like my 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 mom, in some of the most difficult moments that our family has gone through, she was more of a man than like my dad, right? And like, you know, because she was a soldier, she was ready to fight and she was ready to fight for her family. Um, and that's that's why I think so highly of, all women uh, because at the end of the day, many people thought, you know, the good things that were happening to our family was because of my dad and my mom never said a word. And she just kept on working. Um, she didn't need the credit, uh, although I think she she should have gotten the credit. Um, but that, that happens to so many women that kind of keep it all together. And then, you know, some guy gets the credit. Um, right. And so, you know, but she she showed me how to be like truly tough. Um, and then, you know, sometimes, you know, as men, we think physically tough is uh the only kind of toughness that matters, but that mental toughness is uh so much more. And that's that's what she showed me. And I I have to use that every day, right? Because I have a system um, that I live in. Um, we work in multiple cities on uh, my company. We're here in Baltimore, we're in Philadelphia, we're in New York, we're in Chicago, we're in Richmond, uh, all sorts of different challenges. And if you are not mentally tough, it will physically and emotionally destroy you. And that's, and I realize that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to discourage you right. so that, um, we go back to the status quo. Um, and, um, you know, and my mom's also taught me about legacy and, you know, the things that she couldn't do in her lifetime, um, she was hoping that her sons would be able to do. And so I, you know, I'm living that legacy and I'm hoping the things that I'm not able to do in my lifetime, that my son, my sons and my daughter and my nieces and my nephews, are able to do in their lifetime to actually make this a better world for all people where we could all live together and kind of deal with each other. Um, just the content of our, our, our minds and our hearts and not the color of our skins or um, what, what gender we are. Right. Uh, and I think the reason why we've fallen back so much as a society, we're not advancing as much Uh, is because we ignore genius, uh, because if it doesn't come in that right package, you know, in Baltimore, it's always like, what school did you go to? And a lot of times they're asking, what's the, are you from the right package? Right. Right.
0: It's a, short, it's a shortcut to that without asking for it. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use this before I move into that next question. I'll, I'll use this as, um, you know, I just ask questions, right? You know, I, you know what I do in this podcast is try to uncover things, try to highlight things and expose people to stuff. And I remember, you know, I'll help people out with their applications for jobs and things of that nature. And I remember I was like, yo, look at the zip codes. I was like, where are the black people at? Where do you see black people? I was Mm -hmm. like, if you start putting down zip codes because they ask for it now, that's their workaround of figuring out if you're black or not without asking if you're black. I was like, keep that in mind. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, look, I'm telling you what they're doing. Like, put in a different zip code, I bet you get a different response. And, you know, that's just one of those things that I've noticed on being on both sides of it. They can't ask it in a certain way because there's a legal parameter there, but, you know, you can work around it. But really, at the end of the day, there's just parsers, algorithms, and some of these things are just baked in. And until you realize it, you're just going to keep falling into it. And it's that reset. We don't want to move forward. And that, I think, ties to that that packaging assessment you made there, which is it's legit. You know, um, you have the parsers. I work for one university that is um, very white, and I have a degree from an HBCU. Which one gets the attention? You know, <laughs> and, and that, that's just what it is. Um, so I think buying, buy in, and, and bringing community together is can be challenging at times. Um, can you share some of those common challenges and of, of building a community and keeping them together that you encounter? And how do we reprogram uh, people to think beyond middle management? Yeah,
1: you know, so as a developer, you're universally hated, right? Because the way, and and developers have earned that, right? And um, I also look at development as, and I've always said this, uh, there is no course of study to become a developer. Um, so there's no exam, there's no bar, there's no code of ethics like, you know, the medical field where you say, do no harm. Uh, to be a developer, you simply have to have your family be in the business. Yeah. Right. And and hence why it's been so corrupt. <laughs> and it's been, and and not because, Good people don't come from families that developed, right? And, um, you know, I feel like I had to kind of call out um, the Mannequin family because they've been good developers. And Tebow Mannequin, who's a developer today, he's one of the most gifted uh, developers that I've ever met, and he cares, and he's also a good person. So, you know, but I would say those are outliers, (laughs) right uh that's not that's you know being being him and you know doing the development the way that he does it and the people that he's brought together to do development and how mindful he is about his own privilege right um i think that's that's a big outlier uh the norm are people that you know they think they're up here and the rest of the world is here and whatever they do, um, the crumbs will trickle down to <laughs> the rest of us. And, um, you know, they're also people that have used the black and brown community to actually build their fortune mm-hmm. sponsored by the U S government. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, you know, when you look at um, our ex president, you know, his father built affordable housing and, you know, like I build affordable housing, but I, you know, I, I have, and, and now you have hedge funds that are getting into affordable housing. So that's like, you know, uh, some of these, uh, you know, bad actor developers on steroids, right? Uh, And it's only going to get worse, right? And now you have hundreds of millions of dollars of subsidy that goes to creating like one or two units of affordable housing. And no one ever thought, well, what if we gave that subsidy instead to that black family, Mm -hmm. to that brown family, to that immigrant family and let them get into home ownership. So like that's to, to me that I think that's that's where we're gonna focus. We're gonna focus on equity going to intelligent and capable people of color. And then on the on the housing side, the development side, you know, we're really gonna focus on who's getting the subsidy uh and why. Mm-hmm. Like does it really make sense? You know, some of these valuations that we're getting for affordable housing, does that all really make sense? Or is it the appraisal world that's in cahoots with, you know, these bad actors to only make things worse? I mean, so the challenging part is, you know, in in plain sight, some of these negative things are happening. And so how do I go into a community when what I do is clearly, you know, questionable, Mm -hmm. right? Being a developer. But then as a developer, I also know that it's hard. Like you're putting up personal guarantees. You're putting in a lot of work, years of work before something actually happens. I mean, so there's this balance. And one of the ways I try to resolve that balance, I was trying to do this thing called the Real Estate Developer Index, where you actually judge developers based on what they've done than, you know, trying to figure out that, you know, how good their PowerPoint was or their PR firm. Right. And that was universally rejected because, you know, other developers were like, we're going to sue you. Why, Why should you get to judge us? Right. And tell people, the truth about us and so you know what we're trying to do is when we go into a community we try to um first have those initial conversations with the actual stakeholders in the community Mm -hmm. right not the five people that go to community meetings and say it's their community but we really try to talk to all the people and then we also try to talk to the people that represent them Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are some great legislators out there um, and I'll tell you about some if you ask, but like some of these legislators really care about their community. They really uh, take the, the oath that they take seriously to serve. Uh, and so, um, you know, I had to take my mission and vision directly to the people. And then we set a path forward together Right. It's not like, oh, I have a vision for your community that I've only been in for five minutes. Right. Uh, It's what is your vision and how can I help achieve that vision with the tools that I've gained from doing it in other places and from seeing similar uh, challenges and knowing some of the financial tools that are out there, some of the you know uh, design uh, sort of like approaches that may work, because ultimately we want to. Place making is important, um, and when I look at place making as. Preserving the people that were there before, Mm -hmm. but also creating the resources and amenities that allow you to attract new people to come into your community in a respectful way at your terms. Right. Uh, and, And so displacement is this thing. That I think, um, you know, we wouldn't have gentrification that is such a negative thing if we were mindful about displacement. And then I also look at gentrification. It's been a tool used against black and brown communities. Right. It's Mm -hmm. always been like, you know, oh, you don't want these things to come in your community and you've got you know, activists that live in nice places telling you, you don't want nice things in your community. Right. 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 Instead of dealing with, well, how do I get nice things in my community and can still stay here? They're saying once nice things come, it should be our community. Right. Right. (laughs) And so Um, a lot of black people go around when they hear, gentrifiers they don't think of themselves I even you know there's like young black professionals that are gentrifiers but because they're black they can't be gentrifiers
0: Mm
1: -hmm. what's wrong with that picture which Uh, means that we're supposed to perpetually be an underclass we can't like Starbucks and blue bottle coffee like why not we can't like beer and craft beer right I think you know Even though, you know, I'm part of Ministry of Brewing, I think people find it hard to accept that because I'm black, Mm -hmm. you know, because the first thing they'll they'll ever ask me is, uh, well, what do you know about, and it's not even a question, it's like, it's demanding, what do you know about brewing? And I'm like, okay, did you ever ask Kevin Plank, what does he know about? yeah distilling (laughs) right alcohol yeah you know it's like this accusation how dare you do something that we consider white yeah and those are the things that we have to demystify those things because you know it's an emerging market and it's an emerging sort of economy and we always get left behind and so You know, that's the challenge. It's going into community and telling them that they're good enough, Mm -hmm. right? And telling them that we're going to go through this journey together where I'm going to be respectful of you and please be mindful of all I'm putting on the line. A lot of times people don't know all that I put on the line, the personal guarantees. And when you do a personal guarantee as a black person it means someone's going to come out to you. Well, you're, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's all it means because they'll come. You know, I had a major development company that we did a personal guarantee with. They came and they looked at me. And they're like, it's amazing someone like you has been able to get all these assets and achieve. And I was like, oh, Lord, these people are going to sue me. <laughs> because they weren't saying it being nice. They weren't. It wasn't like, oh, this is great. It was like, wow, how dare you break Mm -hmm. this, like, untold, this tacit agreement that you're not supposed to actually thrive. Like, how did you get here? (laughs) Right? You're not supposed to thrive. Like, you're not an athlete, right? And that's what happened to me at Wells Fargo. It's like, the people there were like, you're trying to deposit, you know, millions of dollars? You're not LeBron. You're not... Any of the Michaels, you know, like you're not an entertainer. How dare you? Like, let's not let other people know this is possible. Look, in DC, back in the day, Chocolate City, with, you know, and this is one of the reasons I moved to Baltimore and this DC region uh, because I came to Baltimore and it was, you know, like being from New York, you see, you know, you don't see black professionals. Per se, you see a couple here and there. It's like the white Wall Street person or whatever. Um, But down here, you see black professionals, right? And especially in DC. And that was something like, man, if I have to raise, you know, black kids, I want them to be around where, you know, the person that owns the company. I mean, like to this day, you know, like some of the hardest things people can't believe that. I own a company. And I'm like, like how, like, you mean you work for the person? (laughs) I own it? it, You know, it's like, you know, like it's this guy's story. like people, you know, especially people that look like us, right? That are black folks that are like, you know, and again, it's that Jim Crow thing. It's like, it's pretty powerful. It's like, how dare you? It's almost a who's your master kind of thing. Right. So when I go into communities and, like, I'm not afraid of Black communities, I love working in Black communities. And, you know, part of it is to get people to understand that they're worth it, right? It's like, it's therapy. So before development, it's like, let's, like, commiserate and then let's, let's go through this process of... Understanding that you're worth it, your community deserves the cafes and all this stuff, and it's okay to have all those things. Yeah, you know. Um, and then it's it's being open book and straightforward. And you know, I don't think anyone could ever say that I told anyone in any community I was going to do something that I didn't do. Yeah, you know. So it's 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 also keeping your word and uh, and and fighting through, because I you know i I've seen it at so many different levels where all the good things that we do, um the media doesn't want it out, city officials don't want it out. they want to take credit for the work that you do. Uh, and you know it's 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 hard, but we really have to, you know, I can't believe it's twenty twenty two. And we're still talking about the same things. Yeah, We're still having the same issues, even with social media. That's how I know social media doesn't care about black people is because <laughs> we're still having the same issues. Like right. we can't even get, you know, the facts out, yes. you know. And so before people start saying science like and facts, really believe in it mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, we do it one small community at a time. And so when we go into a community and, you know, we also believe in diverse communities, yeah. right? And I think that's, that's that's you know, cause, um, you know, I would say, you know, Dr. King, Malcolm X, um, we, we, you know, those two incredible men were converging and that's why they had to die. Right. Because Mm -hmm. instead of like, let's go back to Africa, you know, Malcolm was like, wait, I'm from Harlem. (laughs) 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 Let me take Harlem back. And then instead of, you know, Dr. King, like, let's turn the other cheek. He was like, he went to Chicago and he saw the conditions we were living in. And he's like, man, Malcolm may have been right. 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 (laughs) You know, let's go take this economic empowerment thing and let's do something with it mm-hmm. and i choose to live in between those two powerful insightful and incredibly uh um courageous men right yeah. and uh, but i don't want to die uh, <laughs> uh, you know but at the end of the day it's you know i just hope to have as much courage to really push That envelope that says no more handout, no more philanthropy with that—that's control. Mm -hmm. No more single singular political party. Right? We only belong to we belong Mm -hmm. to the Democratic Party.
0: If you don't vote for them, you ain't black or what have you. Right? You're Uh not black. Uh huh. Right? (laughs) Really? Uh huh.
1: Really? Yeah. Like ain't that something? <laughs> this whole control thing. I choose to live in a world that recognizes that we all belong, yeah. right? And so, like, I come from a multi-race family, and we all figure out how to respect and love each other and support each other. Um, and so, a lot of times, when you know, I flip to okay. But we all should be there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people don't want to go along with that because, you know, uh, we should, when we have a black bar, it should only be black people in there. When we have a black cafe, it should only, like, how does that make economic sense when the word (laughs) minority… Yeah, yeah. there's not that many of us. So yeah, if I'm going to have a business that only caters to black people, it's a failed business on day one. Yeah.
0: Right. And I, and I think that's the thing that kind of comes in, in doing this and being able to like talk to a little bit of everything, like really, really, what I try to key in is like, who are the people here, who are the people that are contributing to culture, arts, those sectors, and I try not to put a ... I try not to say, oh, this is a black podcast for black, black, all, all of that. I try not to do that, but those things are baked in. And if you listen to it, it's like, oh, well, oh, yeah, right. In February, he only had, like, black creative zones. That makes sense. In March, he only really was kind of keying in on focusing on amplifying, like, like women or what have you that are doing great things. So, in that, it's just like, I don't need to really say it. My values are baked in with the work that I'm doing. If you're paying attention, you'll you'll see it. So, <clears throat> in that, I want to hit this last question and then get you some rapid-fire questions, and then we can get out of here. So, um <laughs> So I read recently, you, you mentioned it um, a, a moment ago about ministry or what have you. Um, and I've seen the recent news with Area 405 um, and um, the Pigtown Library. Um, so, so tell me about like investing locally and where do you see like Baltimore going um, in the next like five years or so from a cultural standpoint?
1: Uh, in the next five to 10 years, um, I, I think Baltimore can be the greatest city in America. It could be the birthplace Of uh, where we truly start to give equity to people of color and women, which, by the way, is the overwhelming majority of this city more than 50% women, more close to 70% black. And by the way, they get less than 3% of the resources of this city, Mm -hmm. where white men and I hate to say white men in such a broad rush because it it, it ignores the middle-class and lower-class white men that are getting abused just like the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, but they, they they classify themselves in the theory or the concept of white, which is like what Donald Trump did to them. Uh, and so like they're okay with it because they're white, but I'm like, it's not okay for you either because that 97% of those resources are going to a handful mm-hmm. of white men. Yeah. And they are, you know, um, at the end of the day, um, they're not they're not the path forward, right? They're not the ones that are gonna be the creatives. They're not because they they never have to be creative, right? They never have to come up with new concepts and cool things and you know, they never have to think. Uh, you know if I have limited resources what sort of great things that can I do so I think in the next five years if 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 we're mindful and conscious Baltimore can have some of the most amazing and creative innovations in this whole world World, if not this, you know this whole country definitely. But in this whole world, uh, you know, when you see some of the small businesses, the tech businesses that are coming to this city, uh, I think we really just have to, you know, start to think. Well, let's invest equity in those folks, uh, as opposed to, you well, know, let's send them to SBA loans from. You know, whatever bank, pick whatever, yeah. whichever one that doesn't care about them. Um, so I think, I think, um, you know, we also have a responsibility to make sure that women are at an equal playing field because, frankly, they're much smarter than than, than we are.
0: This is true, <laughs> and
1: much more, much more dedicated and able to move our city forward. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm hopeful of that and I want to be part of that. I want to help lead that. And, you know, when you look at our projects, there is no we hug the water or we're only <laughs> in we're next to Hopkins. You know, we go to the people. Yeah. We go to neighborhoods and communities um, and we can be anywhere in Baltimore because we're not gonna let anyone tell us. Uh, And you know what's funny? My first project was the medical arts building in Baltimore. Uh, It's in Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. It was my uh, thesis at Columbia. I went to graduate school at Columbia University in real estate and i remember we finished that project we had some parking issues with the neighborhood and the white man who led that community association of 5 uh, <laughs> he got in my face and he was spitting up in my face it wasn't a very covid friendly conversation no, i had with him <laughs> and i think he was trying to get me to be angry, right? And that's why I forced myself to smile, right? Because, or else I'd be angry all the time, right? He was trying to get me angry and to be like this really negative image of a black man in front of all these other people. And he, and I said, look, you know, Jason, like if, if, you know, if I can't have parking in a neighborhood where every other building like mine has parking You put me at a distinct disadvantage and I could go bankrupt. And he said, you could go bankrupt and leave. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this America? Can't I be like, you know, again, Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Can't I be anywhere I want in this country? Mm -hmm. Am I not a U.S. citizen just like him? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. And at the end, they want you to just leave. They want to discourage you, they wanna beat you up, and they want you to just leave. And um, you know, I think we have to just have to have enough courage to fight for this city because the people, the vast majority of the people in the city, we deserve it and you you're worth it. You're yeah. worth it. And um I think that there's just beautiful people all across this city. And, you know, there's a Southern culture here. Yeah. Uh, there's a Southern warmness. I'm from New York. There's no warmness. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, do not come near me. Baltimore has this Southern comfort and this Southern warmness and the people are just beautiful, but they are abused. Yeah. They yeah. are significantly abused and taken advantage of by just about everyone. Uh, that's in that's in you know a position to do that and you know I'm hoping in the next five years we get the mental health um, you know resources we need to understand that we're worth it and to understand that we can innovate here and that good ideas great ideas transformative ideas can come from this place Um, and that's what we're looking to do with all these different projects. It's like with area four or five, well, how do we preserve homes for artists? And then how, how do we preserve homes nationally for artists with a model that works?
0: So with that being said, um, I want to quickly transition into my rapid-fire questions. It's four of them real quick, um, and this is this has been great. It's a lot to unpack, but a lot of really important stuff that's being discussed that I think is going to be very uh, valuable to people listening, and that's, that's great. So I'm going to start off ridiculous because uh, it, it just descends into ridiculousness. All of the goodwill that I create during this podcast, it just goes out of the window. Uh, so how often... Are you called Ernest versus Ernst? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> about
1: 63% of the time, you know, someone, you know, they 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 just don't want to say Ernst. It's like they go straight to Ernest. And sometimes I'll correct them,
0: and they still go back to Ernest. <laughs> um, what's a piece of popular entrepreneurial advice that you just disagree with?
1: Uh, you know that um you know I've never gotten a lot of um there's there's a lot I disagree with, but nothing is really coming to mind. It's
0: uh it, Wow, I'm, you, you <laughs> stopped me on that one. Nothing nothing came to
1: mind. Maybe later.
0: Yeah. Uh in three words or less, um ultimately what do you believe makes your, your brand, your approach uh, successful? Integrity,
1: relentless, um,
0: and ultimately um, unafraid. Okay. And uh, lastly, both of these are very word-related, so it's funny. Uh, what is that one word that you believe to be the most powerful word in the English language? Equity. And there you go. So. With that being said, that's that's all I got. Um, and uh, I want to, one, thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks um, where to check you out, more your work, and anything that you feel like we didn't really cover in this um, interview. And just, you know, the floor is yours.
1: No, thank, thank you for uh, putting uh, a platform like this together. Uh, you know, I found your way of thinking to be refreshing. Uh, and I think... Um, you know, um, it's the type of thinking that we need in order to uh, leapfrog the current system that we're in, uh, and it's 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 not by mistake that it just seems that our politics can't come together because at the end of the day the only people who suffer, like, it's its actually expediting the demise of communities of color. It's expediting the demise of women. You know, we, we had an entire Me Too movement that I think set women back. We had an entire Black Lives Matters movement that I know set Black people back. Uh, and then we've, on top of that, all of it was happening during this COVID time where, you know, the people that were thriving before just didn't 10 times better, 100 times better. Yeah. Um, and, and like, we just have to wake up and see uh, that this, this whole last two and a half years was a taking yeah. from the people. And we've got to spend the next five years, like you said, uh, what, what happens in the next five years? In the next five years, we've got to gain momentum to get back to a true level playing field in a, in a world, cities that work for all people, not just a handful. Um, and, you know, we, we just have to support each other and we, we can't forget the mental health yeah. and the physical Health, uh, which was exposed by COVID, that, you know, we're not physically healthy and, and a lot of these zip codes. And we also have to be mindful that redlining is alive and strong and your banks are perpetuating it. Yeah. And, you know, those banks, um, they are getting a lot of their, you know, uh, fuel, their capital from the U.S. Treasury, and it's through one of these things called CRA credits, right? And I just want people to know what banks are doing with this CRA credit. They're committing fraud. So what CRA means, it's Community Reinvestment Act, and you've got to do a certain level of investing in the neighborhoods that you're in. Um, just look it up, right? Yeah. A lot of banks here in Baltimore, what they do is they find a nonprofit and they give millions of dollars to that nonprofit to then give out loans to people of color and communities of color. So, you know, that money goes to that nonprofit and they get CRA credits right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that nonprofit turns around and puts the money, guess where? Back at that bank puts it on deposit back on that, at that bank. So now the money is back on deposit and the bank gets credit for CRA and they've got cash on deposit. And then they turn around and they tell that nonprofit, underwrite these people, people of color, women, all the people that they're supposed to be helping uh, reinvest in, yeah. underwrite them as if they were normal as if they were white (laughs) from this very small group of white elite people that pass muster with them. Or worse, they tell them, be harder on them. And so that's why you have, when they make these announcements about what they're giving to this nonprofit, it's a big, you know, storytelling thing. And I still haven't gotten the whole storytelling thing because people tell stories about what they're going to do and they never do it. We go out and we do things and we don't get credit for it. (laughs) Um, So these folks tell a big story. They get their PR firm and they've got commercials. You can't watch a ball game (laughs) without seeing their commercials about how they invested in your community and some cheesy music in the back. (laughs) <laughs> but at the end of the day, they didn't invest anything. They just got CRA credits. Yeah. And at the end of the day, on the other side, no one's getting approved. They've got millions of dollars sitting there, not going to the community, not going. And we've got to we've got to change that. And I'm committed to doing that. And we started with the Aqual Fund. Um, the Aqual Fund is 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 my uh, contribution to society it's the concept of giving equity to people of color, to women to immigrants to truly level the playing field and to recognize their genius uh, just like we do you know, any privileged white kid, like, think about it, Bill Gates mm-hmm. you know, the one from Facebook, Meta right, <laughs> uh the, the like one from Uber, yeah, you know, all these like, what do they have in common? They're privileged white kids, yeah, that get billions of dollars off an idea that, to be honest with you, these are ideas that come from the hood. They come from a lack of look. Uber is hacking in Baltimore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right? hacking with an infrastructure around it. The person that
1: put that. And a business plan, no one would have put a dollar in it. Right. Right? Like I, I see people hacking and I'm like, man, this has been going on for like 40, 50 years, ever since there were cars. <laughs> it would be great. It
0: would be great to have the logo when someone puts their fingers out, like, ah, that's the logo that's on the app.
1: <laughs> right? Right. But we couldn't come up with it. It had to be a white person to make it right. Yeah. And that's what we have to change. Like. And and I, I, I always hate saying white because it's not white. This is, this is a color thing, but it's more of a class thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So all those poor white boys growing up in Appalachia, growing up in central New York, like, this system's not going to notice you either. Right. Unless you sneak in the back door, marry into it, and then you could just... Yes, from far away you'll appear white. But when you get close to them and you start speaking and they ask you what school you went to, yeah. they're gonna uncover you. Yeah. You know, in England, there's the Queen's English and then what everyone else speaks. Right? Oh, you're speaking
0: Cockney over there. What are you saying? Right? Yeah.
1: So at the end of the day, it's to all of our benefit to make sure that the least recognized in our society and let's let's be honest with you with 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 each other here it's black people sure and then it's women
0: yeah
1: uh women physically i mean like i always said to myself man this men's soccer team sucks and to find out they were getting paid more you know than the women's soccer team you know that's an obvious example right Right. That we couldn't ignore. So let's let's not ignore the fact that, um, you know, 97 percent of our resources in this city of Baltimore, especially in real estate, go to four of five white men. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of us are like, you know, we have nothing. And like I said, it, it has less to do with race and more to do with class. And once we recognize that and once we have and it's almost like when you go into your community, you want to make sure you have affordable housing before you build the market rate stuff, you know, before we solve it for everyone. And that's the poor white young man growing up in Appalachia as well before we solve your issue, because um, you've done a lot to make <laughs> your issue. Right. Yeah. You, you've fallen for the concept of white. Like where they say, we know your life sucks, but you could win the lottery yeah. and be really white like us, and it's not happened for you, has it?
0: Right.
1: So at the end of the day, this we it's it, this classic thing has to stop. So we've got to recognize the most vulnerable of us all, and that's black people and women. And we've got to invest equity in them. And I and I hope people join me in that. Uh, you know it's a genuine effort and I think it is a path forward um, so that another 50 years doesn't go by and you know the wealth gap is even greater than what it is now.
0: right So with that being said, um, I think I think we're good there. Just tell telephone folks your website real quick so we can um, wrap up here. So aquo fun is uh, aquo is a.
1: E Q U O fund F U N D one word equalfund.com and it stands you know Latin root
0: to level field let's let's level the playing field so I want to again thank Ernst Valerie for coming on to the podcast and um, I'm Rob Lee saying there is community work all oh, just the good things happening in and around Baltimore you just got to look for it.